and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm here, Aaron Richards, joined by my co-host and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Welcome, Dan. Hello. You know, like like St. Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was transformed, uh, not only through that initial moment of encounter, but through the mission that flowed from it. Encounter with Jesus always leads us to a life on mission and understanding of our identity. And that's what this show's about. Um Dan, uh, why don't you kick us off with prayer today, and then we'll we'll jump right in. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Jesus, we just pray that you would erupt um, just profound encounters with you in our church again, that people would uh, come to know you, to see you, to hear you, uh, to experience and encounter your love in a very tangible way, Lord. I pray that your love would become manifest in our lives and in our family's lives, Lord, and that you would do something in us that draws us into you and leads us on mission. Yeah, God, awaken a sensitivity in us in a powerful way today, especially through this show, to the ways that you have worked in our lives and and specifically the way you're working in our life now. God, that we'd come to see you, to, to, to see your action, to hear your voice, and to know what it is that you're what is you've got planned for us? What is you've got prepared for us? Jesus, make it clear. Uh, we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Special thanks to St. Gabriel Radio, um, uh, pr- produces this show along with EWTN Catholic Radio. Uh, Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're so blessed to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, so Aaron, today's show is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to hear uh, some testimonies from... Some two, re- two testimonies oh, today. two testimonies. Double it, Lord, double it. You're going to get some testimonies from some religious sisters, which is yeah. going to be amazing. You're going to... And I think what's really great, Aaron, is that um, when you hear testimonies, yep. I think, uh, well, a few things about testimony, right? Like, number one, what God accomplishes in someone's life, it's evidence that God can accomplish that in my life as oh, well. Oh, yeah. So, so, like, when we hear a testimony, what it does is it unlocks faith in our heart that what God did there, he can do in my yeah, life too. The scripture says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what Jesus has done in somebody's life can actually be the um, the prophetic action that 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 orients us toward what Jesus can do and will do in our lives. Yeah. So when I hear a testimony that like I really love and I, I'm like amazed by it, instead of being like, man, I'm so glad God did that for that person, or I wish he would do it for me. Instead, I, it, it, you activate yourself in a place of prayer, like, God, you did that for that person. Now come and do it for me. Like you've given evidence that you work in this way. Yeah. Now work in this way in my life, which is <laughs> we're, awesome. We're really setting up some great yes. testimonies. Today. Boom. But then the other really neat thing is I think you'll hear from these testimonies is they're totally different. Like no one testimony is the same, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes I'll talk to people and I'm like, well, how'd you come to faith in Christ Jesus? Or how'd you fall in love with Jesus? Like, oh, well, you know, I was never like a druggie and an alcoholic. And so I don't really have a testimony. It's like, wait, no, you don't have to be like a, an ax murderer <laughs> to have a testimony. Like you don't have to be like Paul who was murdering the Christians. I love scripture in yeah. Acts chapter eight says, Paul who was, I mean, Saul who was breathing murderous threats against the Christians, you know, like yeah, not, you don't, a, not a good goal. Yeah. You don't have to breathe murderous threats against people in order to have a testimony. Like, no matter who you are, if Christ Jesus has worked in your life, and because he's Christ Jesus, he has worked in your life, so you have a testimony, right? right. And the question is, have you responded uh, to that grace that God is pouring out, or have you not? And, you know, I think sometimes, Aaron, we get kind of in this um, zone where, like, when you know, whenever people give their testimony, what they're doing is they're looking back at how God has worked in their life in the past, and they're kind of 
indicating now that they've that they've moved beyond that moment. They're indicating what God has done. Yeah. And I wonder how how much greater would our lives be blessed <laughs> if we said right now God is accomplishing an encounter with 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 yeah. me right now in my life. Mm. Like today, today's difficulty or today's joy, today's experience, whatever is happening today, it's a it's a moment of testimony that uh, something's going to happen. So I want to become aware of what God's yeah. doing in the present. That's a great. That's so a that great I don't point. have to look back and figure it out. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the marks of a great leader, even in, in business or in government or in lifestyle or in, in ministry, is, is that someone can actually uh, sense what, what's happening now and respond to it now as opposed to reacting later. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's so true in the faith that, you know, I, I was, I was, I was praying even leading into today that, um, so many times we, we come into this perspective of like that, that man, I, I want to be ready when the Lord speaks. And uh, we, we've sometimes put God in such a small box of the limits of how he can speak that we miss his, we miss his communication all over the place, right? Um, we, we've said it before, we'll say it again, but uh, in, in the Psalms, the, the Lord says to us that my thoughts concerning you are as many as the sands on the seashore. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, there were a lot of pieces of sand on the seashore, right? Yeah. That, that, that we're not waiting for that one nugget, um, but that we, we, can, we can act in faith and trust that, that actually God's, God's constantly, he's constantly speaking to us. He's constantly leading us and guiding us. He's setting us up. Yeah. For success. Yeah. I love that. I had a, a, vi- a vision of prayer one time where um, all of heaven had the spotlight uh, on um, on me, but also on us as a people. And like the heaven is like kind of looking and, and kind of anticipating with eager hunger, like, how are you going to respond to the Lord's prompting? Mm. And there's this like spotlight on us right now where God is like, heaven's like the angels and the saints are like, all right, like we're living in the midst of a, a perverse generation. Like we're, we're living in the midst of a time that needs radical transformation. We need saints to rise up and imagine like the saints of heaven, like Therese, John of the Cross, Peter, Andrew, like all, John Paul II, all these incredible saints in heaven. They're looking down at you and at me and, and they're, they're saying like, how are you going to respond? Because we need people to respond right here, right now, to do something amazing, to live a life that's completely abandoned to Jesus and to, oh, yeah. to live a life of mission. And they're there with this anticipation, looking at your life and knowing in fullness what grace God's pouring out upon you yeah. right now as an individual. And the spotlight's on you. And heaven, the angels, the saints, they're saying, respond, yeah. respond. And instead of having to say, okay, I'm going to look back at what God's done in the last 10, 20 years that got me here. Don't just look back, but look in the present and say, yeah. right now, what am I going to do? God's pouring out grace. Heaven's watching. They're hungry for me to respond. How can I respond yeah. today in a powerful way? And, and your response is going to be different than Dan's and, and mine and you know, the missionaries at Damascus and your response is going to be different from the sisters who are going to be with us today. And their responses are different from one another. And, and ultimately, yeah, it's, it's putting ourselves in a place of saying, Jesus, I want to be in relationship with you. And I realize the, the great diversity with which you want to move the world. Um, it's going to require all of us. Yeah. I love the idea of this response, right? Like I, 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 um, and I like to say in Matthew chapter four, you see the call of the first disciples when they're called by Jesus. And it says that uh, Jesus says to 
um, Peter and Andrew, come follow me. And it says there, immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. And I, I, I like to say, you know what word doesn't appear in the Gospels? Uh, gradually. But, gradually. But what word appears Slowly. constantly? Immediately. That when we encounter Jesus Christ, and there's an immediate response yeah. to that in the scriptures. And if I'm living today as a day of testimony, then I'm ready mm-hmm. for an immediate response. So like, I'm not going to sit around. We're going to hear from religious sisters, and they'll share a little bit of their discernment story. I'm not going to sit around and discern God's plan for my life for 20 years. Like, let's let's actually discern God in the present and say, God, how do you want me to act today? Right? And oh, then, to, like, I'm in this constant mode of immediate discernment. That's a good word. All right, I'm talking too much. We're going to hear from these amazing sisters when we come back, but we've got to take a short break. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We'll be right back. Boom. He is honored by the church as one of the greatest enemies of clergy sexual abuse. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. In his time, St. Peter Damien fought against the many vices of contemporary clergy, especially sexual abuses among the clergy. In 1051, he wrote the Book of Gomorrah that is still considered essential reading for fighting abuse today. He died in 1072. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. When you are predictable in your authority, you will actually have to use that authority less. Consistent discipline leads to less constant discipline. The more you act when you need to act, the less you will have to act in the future with similar misbehavior. The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. Monday afternoon, 1 Eastern on EWTN Radio. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus. You know, this is the place where encounter meets mission. Dan, I'm so excited today. What a great couple of guests we have. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an absolute party in You know, the it's studio. not every day that we get guests who, who have traveled across the country to be here with us, Indeed. specifically. <laughs> exactly. Actually, we just found them on the street yesterday no. and invited them in. Oh, no, that's not it. We, we take advantage of people who are here in Columbus, and we just rope them in to, to record the show. So, Hey, we are so excited here on Beyond <laughs> Damascus. We're going to hear the life-changing testimonies of two incredible religious sisters who have given their lives over to Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have two sisters, uh, Sister Magdalene Grace and Sister Maria Garetti. Let's, Let's give them a round of applause. Oh, sisters, we're so excited that you're here. Okay, so uh, secretly, they're from one of my favorite orders in the country. Do tell. They are the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart um, in Los Angeles, so it's pretty amazing to have them here. So, sisters, welcome to the show. You excited? Thanks so So much. Oh, we're so excited. And we're so glad that you found us off the side of the street. Yeah, yeah. It's so kind of you. It's so rainy, too, so it's just perfect. (laughs) They're they're sopping wet here in the studio. No, actually, I mean, that's not all that far-fetched, right? There's a lot of religious that just randomly walk the streets Absolutely. and evangelize. Evangelization. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're Carmelites. So that means you spend a lot of time with Jesus in prayer. That's Amen. always a good thing, right? Amen. And, yes, we do. Uh, and yeah. Jesus is the cause of your joy. Um, so we want to hear your testimonies, but I mm-hmm. thought beforehand we would start with a fun question. Are you okay with that? Uh-oh. We're, <laughs> we're ready. We're, ready. we're are, thinking about they're, it. They're already, they're already we did nervous. not prepare for this. <laughs> we're a little nervous. Shaking over here. I, I did not tell them that. No, I just want to know just what's the, the wildest thing you've ever done in your life? Oh just a gosh. wild and oh crazy adventure you've had. 
I know. We wow. can't have silence on the radio, so you have, you have to come up with it. I'll, yeah. A uh, wild, joyful. A wild, joyful, fun experience. It could be a fun experience you did with your religious sister, something goofy that happened during recreation. I know you guys recreate like like all the time. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like a Carmelite recreation, that's for sure. <laughs> that's true. That's a, it's a party. Do you guys have any fun adventures in your life? You know what? I just thought of one. Oh, nice. Okay, Sister so, Maria Gray. Yes. Okay, so every year our sisters have this beautiful gala event for our skilled nursing facility out in okay. California. So one year I was asked to do a lip sync for this gala. Oh, man. <laughs> so one of the <laughs> yes. best, and actually one of the best parts is that every year our sisters come up with just a really fun, creative program, which is why uh-huh. people love to come, right? So... They decided that they wanted me to lip sync Joyful Joyful from Sister Act 2. <laughs> uh-huh. So this was a couple years ago. So I got up on stage and it was basically, it was this whole, um, the name of our facility is called Santa Teresita. Okay. So Santa Teresita's got talent. Okay. So I nice. come up, I introduce myself, and then I start doing this lip sync to Joyful Joyful. And it was really fun because people had no clue whether it was really me singing or not. Uh, so it took them a while. So you must have done a good <laughs> job. Um, it's one of my hidden talents, actually. So. <laughs> She's really good. Nice. It's one of my hidden talents. Nice. Limps, lip sync so, battles. That's amen. awesome. So, so someday you guys will have to do a battle off yeah, and see who wins. Prove it. Yes. I think yeah. 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 I don't know. She could she, be pretty good, too. For that one. She could be pretty good, too. Yeah. That could, that could come in handy. I could, I could use that gift of lip singing because I'm a terrible singer. So. Are you? Oh. <laughs> but. You know, I'm I'm convinced the more I worship, the better my voice gets. Yeah, you try really hard. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. So it's from I'm going to be doing it for all of eternity. <laughs> I, I better get used to it. Okay, so um, I have another question for you, Sister Maria Gretti. Okay. So what happens if you become a saint? If you're Sister Maria Gretti, would you just be Saint Maria Gretti the second? <laughs> you know what? I think I need to talk to my mother, Judith, about that yeah, question. Yeah, these, are, these are complicated things. <laughs> these and are very so, complicated yeah, things. Yeah, saint yes. Maria Gretti uh-huh. squared the second uh, or of Los Angeles. So all, oh, all good things. Go. That's probably a good one. <laughs> okay, so please share. We'll start with Sister Maria Gretti. Please share. How did you come into faith with Christ Jesus? How did you fall in love with Jesus? Mm, that is such a good question. And, you know, I've been sitting here thinking, oh, Lord, like where to start? You yep. know, because... Um, it's a four-hour show, so we've got plenty of time. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> I'm just Actually, kidding. <laughs> you know what? You're going to laugh when I start at this place then, because I'm going to start from the very beginning when yes. I was in my mother's womb. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> So there is a beautiful story that my mom actually really likes to tell. Mm -hmm. She went on a retreat and when she was sitting in the front pew, sorry, when she was sitting in the front pew, um, she was pregnant with me at the time. There was this really holy priest named Father Fry who started to preach. And she said he was preaching about the Lord and he was just on fire with the Holy Spirit. And she said that when he was preaching, I started to just do like flips in her womb. Wow. I just started what? cutting like cartwheels and twirls every time that his voice would come booming. Yeah. Praise okay. the Lord. So then John he would, the Baptist know, here. And that's Holy what she smokes. said. She felt like Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, I have no recollection of this, by the way. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, well, anyway, so she said that he would, no. he would be quiet and then he would start preaching again. And again, I would just start cutting circles and yeah. doing flips in her womb. And she thought, oh, my goodness, like, what is going on with this <laughs> child, you know? Um, but it's really beautiful to think back to that and think, wow, like, God chose me before I was even born, before I was even created. He already knew. He yeah. already knew what he was going to call me to. Uh-huh. Um, so this is so, why you entered the religious order, because your birth name was John. That's exactly. <laughs> I got to get rid of this name. Why did my mom call me John? <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Okay. 
So, um, but no, but actually I was raised in the Catholic faith. So I come mm-hmm. from a Catholic family. Um, my mom was a religion teacher for years. So just, she loved the faith so much. She taught us to really love God. Um, but it's interesting because we were just kind of like your average Catholic family. Like didn't do anything super extraordinary. Went to masses on Sundays. Um, but I think where I, I learned to really love the Lord at a young age because I saw the love and the reverence that my mom had for him. Um, I saw that reference. My dad also went to mass, but he wasn't quite, he didn't like teach catechism or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was really the pillar of faith in our family. Um, so as we grew up, we definitely, we knew who our Lord was. So we'd go to mass. We loved him. She taught us, of course, all of the foundationals of the faith. Um, but what I think I was missing, though, was a true deep knowledge of who he was. Mm. Um, so that for me didn't come until a little bit later on as I got older. So um, one thing I like to say about my story, because my my um, my story, my testimony is just so deeply intertwined with my vocation story, right? So oh, basically, yeah. this is my vocation story. Um, but so growing up, I was probably the most girly little girl you ever could have met ever. Mm-hmm. Like I ran around in high heel <laughs> shoes and my mom's jewelry and I loved like sparkly things and all those things. So my mom looking at this child would have thought, um, there's no way that child would ever become a sister. <laughs> um, yeah, I was probably the most unlikely candidate as a small child. Um, but anyway, so and the other thing, too, was I never saw sisters growing up at all. I'm from South Louisiana originally. Oh, nice. Very Catholic part of the country. I love it. Cajun country. Yes. God's Cajun country. Catholics. Cajun Catholics. That's saucy right. And spicy. Amen. Amen. <laughs> little Tony Sashers, you know, if you know what that is. So, um, so anyway, yes, I uh, grew up in a very Catholic part of the country. But again, you know, I never saw sisters growing up. Um, so it got older. Um, again, knew about our Lord. And then something happened in my life whenever I was a teenager. I was only 13 years old. And this is a really important part of my story. So I am one of three in my family. Oldest sister, her name is Elena. And then Blake is the middle child. And then I'm the baby of the family. Nice. Yes. I bet Blake was wild, wasn't he? He was wild. (laughs) (laughs) Those middle children. I know. It's that middle kid. His name is Blake. He tortured me growing up. I got it. I got it. That's my vocation story. (laughs) Right, right. And actually, I always like to say that being the baby of the family is the happiest place to be. (laughs) And anyone who's the youngest child out there knows exactly what I mean. Okay. So, um, but when I was 13 years old, Blake was actually born with a heart condition. So when he was 15, he died very suddenly, just a few days before his 16th birthday. But he died on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which was Mm. really incredible. Interesting. That our Lord. So I always love to say that he had a pierced heart like Jesus did. Um, so from that time on, I remember just my whole world just became reoriented because I thought, okay, there's only one place that I can go at this time in my life, and that's into the arms of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, that grace at that time of my life is really, I would say, probably one of the deepest graces of conversion that I received because I had to be all in, basically, is yeah. what it was. You know, it's like, when you experience tragedy like that in your family, you have all these questions going through your mind, like, who do I go to? Where do I go? It's only to him. Yeah. It's only to him. So, Absolutely. and the other thing, too, with that particular grace in my life was that I knew that wasn't me. You mm. know, there's no way that on my own I could have chosen to do that. Yep. You yep. know, I could not have had the strength to do that. Yeah. It was totally his sacred heart drawing me. So, mm. um, anyway, so I, we lost Blake, and the next few years of my family were pretty difficult. But it was incredible because through those years, my mom was like a pillar of strength for the family. Um, 
And I remember just praying so, so hard through those years and just asking our Lord, like, keep healing us as a family, keep giving us the grace of conversion, um, keep helping us to just really embrace your will, Lord, you know, help us to really embrace your will. And so I started to fall in love, like, head over heels with Jesus when I was uh, um, in high school, basically. Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus is right. So um, then you got married to him. And then I got married to him. Sorry. Yeah, I've been talking a long time. That's Spoiler a, alert. That's no. like way ahead, okay? <laughs> you got to wait. Oh, got it. Got it. Well, that's so, a, can I ask a quick question? Though? Sure. That's amazing because yeah, so many, I mean, we work with a lot of high schoolers and middle schoolers and you see when difficulty arises, they, mm-hmm. they go one of two ways, right? So they either go deeper into their faith or yep. they, they blame God and walk away from their faith. And yes. you described it as this grace, yeah. but God pours out the grace, uh, the, the, I mean, it, it, it's not like he would give you grace, but not someone else suffering grace. Absolutely. So how, what do you, what do you think for those who experience suffering and tragedy in their life? Like mm-hmm. you did and your mm-hmm. mom did, mm-hmm. like, what was it that led to you to respond and your, your parents to respond to that grace to go towards Christ as opposed to away from him? Yeah, it was definitely the foundation of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way that I can describe it and compare it would be, it's kind of like, it's the reason that I love my little St. Maria Goretti so much. It's because when the time for her to give her act of heroic faith and give her life and say yes to Christ came, she was only able to do that because she had been prepared in her life before by tiny steps, tiny um, acts of charity, mm-hmm. saying yes to Christ and all of the ways that she was taught in a foundation of faith from her wow. family. Same thing with my family. It's yeah. because I had it from the core and my mom really deeply ingrained that in us and that it was almost like it was such a natural, I, I don't know how to put it. I know it was a grace from God, but it was such a natural response in the sense that he had prepared me already yeah. for that. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, and praise the Lord. St. Maria, Tre- um, <clears throat> Maria Goretti's uh, tragedy was around the same age as yours was, right? Interesting. So, yeah, she yeah. was only 11 years old. Yeah, yep, that's when wild. She, yeah, when she was smarter. So, okay, yeah. so what happens next? So you're, okay. you're, you're growing in your faith. I'm growing in my you're, faith. You're in love with Jesus I'm in high school. I'm falling in love with Jesus in high school. All of your friends think that's totally normal. My fr- Oh, yeah, totally normal. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I went to a small Catholic school. I was in a class of 40 people, four uh-huh. zero. Wow. Okay. All right, so... Um, so yeah, I started to grow in my faith, going to Steubenville South conferences, all of those things. I remember having a very distinct thought that I knew that God was calling me to a relationship with himself that could only go deeper and deeper and deeper, and that could never come to the end of its depth and its breadth and its profundity. Mm-hmm. Um, and little did I know that I was thirsting for the infinite, but I'm not going to know that in high school, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't put those words to it. Um, but I just felt myself just thirsting for God and just longing for him. And at the same time, I was doing all of the normal high school things. So I was a cheerleader. I did dance, every kind of dance. Um, I was in musicals and, um, you know, honor societies and all these different things. Hmm. So, I mean, I was a very normal teenager, you can say, which was, I mean, I had a lot of fun in high school. It was great. Um, There's this one particular experience I share with you. Because um, I'm falling in love with our Lord, but what's coming into my mind is totally called to marriage, right? Yeah. I'm going to meet, you know, this holy man of my <clears> dreams, <throat> and we're going to have this big, awesome Catholic family and all of these things, you know? But as I was falling more and more in love with our Lord, I remember thinking, 
you know, he's going to have to be pretty good. Like, he's really. Like, <laughs> We're raising the bar. Yeah. We're raising the, the bar, bar every day. The bar just kept getting higher and higher and higher until finally it's like, okay, only Jesus. You're like, no. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, no. But, um, but I do remember That's thinking funny. that that whoever I married would just have to be so madly in love with God, you yeah. know, just the way that I was. So. He's going to have to keep up. He's going to have to keep yep. up. That's right. Like, we're called to be saints. We're called to be holy. Like, this is the only way to go. Yep. Um, so anyway, so I remember visiting a Carmelite cloister in Lafayette, Louisiana, when I was, I think, in the 10th grade. My whole class, we all took a field trip out there, and we had special permission to go into the parlor and speak with Mother and the sisters through the grill. So this is a big deal, because these are cloister Carmelites. So we all pile in there, and the curtain opens. And I still remember... When we walked into that Carmelite convent, I just had this rush of mm. peace just come through me. And I thought, there's something really special about this place. And I would love to be able to just stay here. Wow. And so we went in. And when the curtain opened and we saw the sisters, they just had this brilliant, radiant light coming from their faces of joy mm-hmm. and love for Jesus and I just remember my eyes getting bigger and bigger, just going closer and closer <laughs> to the grill. And yep. then finally I was like, can I come in, please? Like, I just <laughs> let me on. I was like, today? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, application. Yeah. No, so, um, and how but, old were you? Oh, gosh. So 10th grade. What was that? Like 15, 16 oh, wow. years Good. old. So Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, right. So anyway, so we talked with the sisters. And so what ends up happening is I'm the last one out. I'm clutching their hands through the grill. I'm crying my eyes out, <laughs> you know, not wow. wanting to leave them. But part of it, too, was I was asking for their prayers because of what had happened with my family and then just the struggle of, you know, trying to heal from that and all of all of those things. So, um, But the sisters, they were just so beautiful. So eventually, I was the last one out. They peeled me out of there, put me back on the bus, and sent me <laughs> home. So, um, but you would think that that would have been a really big indicator to me, right? Well, when you're in high school, it's kind of sometimes you have these profound experiences, and then you're on to the next thing. It's yeah. like, okay, wipe away my tears. I'm back on the bus. Okay, let's go home, yeah. you know? Um, so Friday night football, cheerleading, exactly. let's yeah. go. <laughs> okay, yeah, time to cheerlead. Um, so I never really reflected on it deeply at that particular time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really until later graduated high school, um, knew that I wanted to go to college and find a great group of Catholic friends. I ended up going to Louisiana State University, go Tigers. Oh I hear they're doing awesome right now in football, <laughs> and I'm so proud of them. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. So um, I went to LSU, and I was a freshman. And I actually, so I, I told the Lord, okay, Jesus, I'm coming here. You know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the Catholic Student Center, find my friends there, start going to daily Mass, started spending a lot of time in Eucharistic adoration, just hours, just loved being with Jesus in Eucharistic adoration. Um, and at the same time, I had a lot of fun with my friends. I mean, we had a great group of Catholic friends. We went out a lot together. We had parties a lot together, um, but all in ways that were glorifying God. And that's the part that I loved about finding these awesome people. So the inklings of a vocation started to come whenever I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember whenever I first, the thought first came deep, deep in my soul, I felt it. And I remember thinking, oh, no, 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 Jesus. Uh, no, that's part of the plan. Like, I came here to meet my holy husband and, you know, <laughs> then we get married and have the yep. family and all of those things. So I honestly was very afraid of it because I really just didn't have a deep understanding of the vocation. Um, and there was all the all of the fears and things that come along with that. Like, is God going to be enough? Like, is he alone going to be enough to fulfill everything for me? Um, and those, I mean, and that's a, it's a very real thing that you go through when you're discerning a vocation. 
Um, Real question, but a crazy question, right? Uh (laughs) Can the infinite ever be enough for me? (laughs) Yes, that's right. I know, and it sounds so silly when you think about Uh it, but when you're the one going through it, it's a totally different story, let me tell you. Um, So just questioning that, like, Lord, like, are you really going to fulfill all the deepest desires of my heart? And it's like, okay. So when that inkling came up, there was something in it for me that did scare me because there was a certainty in it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even just that, I thought he was asking me to look at it. There was a certainty of a call. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought, I am not ready to deal with that. Moving on. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, so I actually spent a couple of years basically kind of running away from it because I didn't understand it and I wasn't ready to embrace it. Yep. And it's interesting. So it's one thing to be pursued by a person and that can be exhausting enough if you're running away from a person who's pursuing you. But when and, Almighty... And kind of creepy. Yes, and kind of <laughs> creepy, right? But it's when Almighty God is pursuing you, that's a totally different level of uh-huh. interior exhaustion when you're running away from that. <laughs> yeah. And not creepy at you all. You can't get a restraining so. order against God. No. <laughs> well, it kind of looked a little something like I would go into prayer and I would, I would kneel and I would say all my prayers to Jesus and Thank you, Jesus. And if you could please do this and this and this for me. And we're done in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, because I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm not ready for it. Oh, yeah. Um, So anyway, but so finally, I actually I came to my moment of surrender about halfway through college where I just felt so tired of running from God. And I, I realized that I was really running away from love, like love was pursuing me. He wanted my good, and I was saying no. Mm-hmm. And I realized, Lord, why am I? Why am I doing that? Why am I saying no? So, opened myself, received a ton of peace and joy, and all of those things that come along mm-hmm. um, with finally surrendering, you know, to God's call. And um, anyway, so I ended up finding our community. It was it was a very fun experience. I was at my little townhouse in Baton Rouge with one of my close friends, Nicole. We sat down on the couch together, pulled out the laptop. And she said, hey, let's find you a religious community. We were just having fun. We were really not being... This is a good technique, friends. Listen yeah. up, young adults. Okay, this is how yes. you hang out with your friends on a Friday night. Let's find each other That's religious right. communities. We had a very unique um, little household there with my, my sister friends. Mm-hmm. They were amazing. I think all of us at some point discerned religious life. And one of them is now a consecrated virgin for the Diocese of Lafayette. So it's awesome. awesome. Anyway, so sat down, laptop, Googled religious order, sacred heart. Search. Let's just see what comes up. Um, because I mentioned to you, my brother died on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Yep. After that point, my family just really developed a deep devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yeah. And that's the way he was drawing me to himself was through his Sacred Heart. So we started clicking all these different links and this community and this community. And it was fun. And then we got to the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart of Los Angeles. And I remember looking and thinking, who are they? Because I had started to fall in love with Carmelite spirituality, too, while all of these other things are going on. So clicked on the link and the homepage popped up. And as soon as I saw the picture, I just knew immediately that I was looking at my family. Wow. Um, it was this rush of the Holy Spirit. And it was like, okay, this is it. I know that this is it. Um, so we both just kind of sat there and looked at the picture. And it was a picture that had sisters of all different ages. And my friend Nicole pointed at the oldest sister in the picture in the middle and said, look, that's you. That's you as a little old nun. (laughs) That's me. um, Anyway, so a few weeks later, I contacted the community, came out to visit, and it just basically confirmed. Like, it's like it was like coming into a family that somehow I felt like I had always been a part of. So. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Praise, the Praise, Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for working. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I just love a, a lot, you know, there's that uh, phrase like the Lord wants to 
turn your your test into your testimony, right? And Amen. I think that's exactly what he does. Like, yeah. and and just that's a beautiful evidence of that. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Okay, sister, we have about 10 minutes before we're going to take a break. Do you want to share? We have also Sister Magdalene Grace. Do you want to share how you came into a, a love of Jesus Christ? Sure. So I'm I am actually from Columbus, Ohio. So Party. This, is, this is my hometown. It's great to be back. So I also come from a good Catholic family. Um, I was raised, you know, in the church. We'd pray the rosary every Sunday as a family. Um, but when I went to high school, I kind of, you know, I was still involved in the sacraments and in the faith. But at the same time, I got involved in the the popularity and the parties and the boys and kind of was veering away from the church a little bit during mm-hmm. those years. Um, but it, what I remember is my brother was so faithful, he would invite me to go to adoration with him. And he was my cooler older brother who had a car. <laughs> so I thought, all right, sure, I'll go to adoration with you. Uh-huh. Whatever you want, I'd be happy to. <laughs> so I had a moment where I remember being in the adoration um, before the Blessed Sacrament, but I wasn't necessarily praying I remember watching my brother pray, and it was almost through him seeing his relationship with Christ in that moment, I realized, like, someday I want to have that relationship. Like, I want what he has, and I could tell that God was real, and I wanted to to know him, but I wasn't ready for it. That's so it was awesome. like a St. Augustine moment of, no, I still want the parties, I still want the boys, I, I'm not ready to give all that up yet, but someday... I think I'm going to turn and (laughs) walk in the same direction that he's going in. And so Casey is my brother. He was involved with St. Paul's outreach during those years. So I kind of kept that in the back of my mind that I wanted to go to a college where SPO was, Mm -hmm. that that would be kind of my way to get away from the high school scene, the party scene, to be able to really live out my faith someday. So I wanted I went to Ohio Dominican because at that time they had SPO. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so interesting because I go with the intent of joining SPO, but at the same time my personality kind of naturally drew to the party scene. Yeah. So it's like this period of time where I was trying to get involved with SPO, and at the same time I was still going to the bars. And I remember going to mass at night. And then going to a bar after going to mass and living this like strange double life for a while, but not really knowing, not realizing that I was living a double life. Yeah. Um, that's but, So that's exciting that you are in this community now, right? Because you're drawn to the party. So you just brought the party I with you. I brought the party with <laughs> yeah. You know the <laughs> Yes, she Sister, did. Sister, you think you could lip sync, but I bring the Wait, party. That's right. That's right. She does bring the party. That's right, Sister. All right. That's good. Yeah, the Lord wants us to party just Amen. in a different way. Amen. Amen. So St. Paul's Outreach was just they kept reaching out to me, which is mm-hmm. what I appreciate the most. Like every time I started veering off, I would have a, a friend from SBO come and say, oh, you want to go for a run? Will you go to this prayer meeting? So <laughs> they just kept reaching out to me over and over again. So finally, I ended up going on the Fan into Flame retreat. And it was through that retreat that I had just like a total transformation, being baptized in the spirit, being able to truly encounter the Lord. And it was in that moment I realized, no, I can't live a double life anymore. I said goodbye to like my old lifestyle, my old friends. It was an almost immediate conversion. Yeah. Like I just totally gave myself over to him. Um, And through that, I decided the next year I entered into household. Um, So it's where you live with women. You pray together, eat together. It's kind of (laughs) funny because it reminds me of religious life, right? So it's like (laughs) a slow... College students? Religious life for college students. It's a slow integration to religious life, at least for me. It's not always for all the women. Um, so I started praying every day, adoration, um, 
through this daily inter- in, encounter with the Eucharist, really putting myself in his presence, I was opening myself up now to his holy will for me. Mm-hmm. And finally being able to actually hear what he wanted for my life. So through this um, willingness to be silent and to pray, I could start to hear his voice. And that's when I was able to hear my, my calling to religious life. Um, it's really funny because in college I had, a, I had a boyfriend from my senior year of high school going through college. So we were kind of set on marriage. So religious life was not on my radar at all. I, yeah. I never thought of it once. But once I started praying, all of a sudden, religious sisters started showing up everywhere. I've never <laughs> seen a religious sister before. But all of a sudden, I'm going to talks and there, there's nuns there. there and I'm like, why am I at this talk with nuns? You all know I'm dating someone. And all the girls are inviting me to these religious vocation talks <laughs> and different things. So, I don't have a vocation. Why are you inviting me to this? Someone taped a sign on your back. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Invite me. <laughs> Why am I here? Um, so I, that was being, I was seeing nuns all the time. Nuns were on Oprah when my friends entered a community. Um, and I had a, a, an encounter with the Lord where I was in the chapel. And I remember walking down the aisle, but I was walking down imagining myself getting married to the man I was dating at the time. But as I was walking down, my eyes drew up. And it was before an image of Jesus. And I heard in my heart at that time, I'm going to be the one that you marry someday. <laughs> and I just, I remember sitting down and thinking, oh, no. <laughs> you, done, I, done, uh-uh. done. I, I can't. I can't leave him behind. I can't leave my life behind. I can't believe you're calling me to be a nun. I was kind of a, a, almost at a shock. And it took me a, almost six months of discernment to get to the point to accept it. And the final point was, I remember praying, um, I went to Mass in the morning, and the Lord just kept, religious life, religious life, just kept coming back to me over and over again. So I told him, you know, Lord, I'll do it. I'll leave everything behind. I'll leave my boyfriend behind. I'll leave my career, everything. I'll give it all over to you. But I was like, but I need some sort of certainty that this is what you're calling me to. I was like, I want a yellow rose, and I want it today. <laughs> nice. It's like this is this is it. If I don't get a yellow rose, done. I, I'm done. It's, <laughs> it's over. So the whole day goes on, and there's no yellow rose. And I'm oh, I was kind of like relieved and not relieved all at the same time. I wanted it and I didn't want it. Um, so the end of the day is coming. It's literally like 9 p.m. and I hear a knock on the door, and my boyfriend's there, and I hear him like coming up the stairs to see me, and his hand is like behind his back. And he, he out pops a whole bouquet of yellow roses. <laughs> and I remember looking at him and just thinking, what have you done? <laughs> you just Do you know what you just broke did? Broke up with you yourself. You just broke up. Yeah. You just broke up with me and you don't even know that you did it. Uh-huh. But it's so interesting. Poor like, guy. I know. <laughs> After that. Yeah. So we ended up breaking He'll up. never buy another girl flowers. <laughs> yeah. He was like, never again yellow roses. And I even told him, I was like, yellow roses mean friendship. What are you thinking? That's You're hilarious. supposed to get red for your girlfriend. They were on manager special. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he told me he was like, "Well, they were they were on sale. They had a yeah. deal. Like, of course they did. But Lord knows you." <laughs> that is the best. So then, after that, it was forward to religious life. Wow! Praise yeah. the Lord! How? Thank you, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> oh man! So how's how's that previous boyfriend doing these days? Do you know? He's well. That's actually a whole other story. But he had a he actually had a disease. So he passed away about oh, five wow. years ago. From it's called cystic fibrosis. So 
He passed wow. away. It's interesting because we would say I was made for God and he was made for God. Wow. And we were just meant to be together during that period of time hmm. that we... That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. I love Amen. that. So good. <laughs> so if you are a young adult and the Lord is pursuing your heart, um, don't run from that. I think that's a yeah. beautiful testimony. <laughs> and and also just uh, if, if you're, you're hungry for Catholic community and you just need support and um, a sister talked about St. Paul's Outreach there, the Catholic faith alive on campus. They've got these incredible households where you can live with men or women and really kind of experience what community life with other Catholics mm-hmm. is like. Uh, I think it's uh, spo.org is how you can find out more about St. Paul's Outreach. All right, well, sisters, we're going to be take a short break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to hear about how you, um, through the cloistered way of life, live an apostolic mission, which yes. is pretty incredible. <laughs> so you're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're so bl- blessed that you're listening to our show. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross healed all our wounds. A lot of people say, well, I can do what I want. I can commit any sin. Jesus saved me. You can't be presumptuous. All holy God cannot allow you to sin or give you the right to sin by dying for you. That doesn't make any sense. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything Number. 1-800-447-EWTN. EWTN. All right, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus. We've got two incredible sisters. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us. And uh, it's so good to see the way that God works from uh, early childhood through high school moments and into a life that's on fire with him. Uh, your, your message is so exciting and encouraging, and especially for, I, I don't know, for young adults, but but for anybody who's listening to the show today, uh, it's so it's so upbuilding and encouraging to see people who are living life fully alive. And uh, sitting here in studio today, it's just such a blessing seeing you two ladies living life fully alive. And, uh, you know, even as a dad of three young women, I'm thinking to myself, young women, our youngest woman is 18 <laughs> <Two>. months old. <laughs> She's uh, a very young woman. Very young woman. Very young yes. woman. Uh, as, as a father of, of three girls, you know, uh, I'm inspired by your message and I, my, my greatest hope for them is that they'd be as, as happy as you are someday. Amen. So, thank you for sharing your, your testimony with us. Um, and I wonder now if we might get into a conversation about how that encounter leads to mission. So, so mm-hmm. could you, Summarize for us, what is the mission of your order? What's the mission of the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart uh, in Los Angeles? The mission of our community is actually to promote a deeper spiritual life among God's people. Yeah. And so the three ways that we do that are through retreats, healthcare, and education. Okay. So, yes, awesome. that's our mission. Praise, Praise God. God. Yeah, yeah. So what compels, like, I think a lot of times religious life, when you hear religious vocations, especially to, like, for women who are um, called to the religious life, what what calls them in is this deep intimacy often with the Lord, right? It's this mm-hmm. hunger uh, to to be closer united to with the Lord. How does that... 
how does that unity with the Lord flow into apostolic work? Does that make sense? Like, as you yeah. go deeper into the Lord, how does it flow forth into the apostolate? Right. That's a really good question. So, actually, the way that you just described that was a beautiful way to describe our charism and exactly what mm. it is. So, our charism, we are um, an active contemplative community. So, we do have the active works of the apostolate, like I was just describing to you. However, um, so what we get a lot is people will look at us and they'll say, you know what? You're Carmelites, but you're out. Is it okay uh-huh. that you're out of the cloister? Are <laughs> yeah. you supposed to be in the cloister? Go back. Like, yeah, I know. Exactly. You're going to burn in the Ex- sun. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so we tell them, no, we're an active contemplative community. So our vocation is a very unique one, which is so beautiful, where we live a life of deep prayer and union with Jesus in yep. prayer. Um a life of what we call contemplation. So um, we go to the Lord every day in silence. We allow him to penetrate more deeply into our own hearts. And then through that union with him, really as a bridegroom and as a spouse, that becomes fruitful and it overflows. And so um, it's basically allowing Jesus's heart to um, more deeply penetrate our heart. So then that way we are filled with his love and we desire to serve his people. And it's that love that impels us forward to go out and to serve is yep. what it is. So yep. it's an overflow. It's a fruitfulness that comes from that union with him. Yeah. Amen mm-hmm. to that. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could look to marriage to actually understand religious life better, right? Because as husband and wife come together in deeper intimacy with one another, it's fruitful and it bears children. And that, and so their mission is uh, of raising children is actually born out of their intimacy. And I would say in the same way with our relationship with the Lord, for all of us, whether we're religious, uh, ordained, or lay, the, our, our apostolic activity, our, our mission is born out of that intimacy with the Lord, and it flows forth from it constantly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you yeah. lose the intimacy, your mission suffers, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, uh, I think, yes. and you see so many people, like, oftentimes you'll, you'll encounter people who um, maybe have been working for the church for a long time, and you go into a church, and it's like... Um, parish workers and, and uh, lay people or, uh, or even people, sometimes priests and religious, they, they're, they're, there's no joy, there's no fire, there's no passion. And, and so their, their apostolic work, their mission kind of lacks energy or yeah. enthusiasm. You're like, what happened? Like, mm-hmm. there's no way you entered into this lifelong commitment without having at some point a fire inside of you and yes. without... Um, or, or start working for the church without at some point having a fire within mm-hmm. you. And uh, and I think when you lose that intimacy, you lose your call to mission. Yeah. Amen. It's so, so, so true. Everything flows from that. So, so you guys are, you're active contemplatives. Active and contemplative, I think yes. that just summarizes the Christian call. So, so, <laughs> so, so the yes. Lord did not just call yeah. our religious sisters here to be active contemplatives. He's called all of us uh, through baptism yes. um, to be active contemplatives. And we can learn from their way of life to teach us how to live our way of life. And likewise, you learn from our way of life how to live your way of life. We it's, do. That is we the do. beauty of vocation. It's not which one is better than the other or I'm, Oh, I'm not called to that, but I'm called. It's, it's, Hey, I'm going to learn from each other and we're going to bless each other and be the fullness of what God has ordained for right. his people. It's about, it. yeah, it's about basically growing into the mission that God has created you for discovering what it is. How is it Lord that you have uniquely called me to love? Um, yeah. And that's what it is. And yep. then just going forth with joy and with conviction to do that. Yes. Yep. Amen. Might, might one of you be able to share a testimony of someone's life that you've seen transformed through your ministry, um, just your apostolic work as a community, either by yourself or with the community? Mm-hmm. I think I've worked in healthcare for 
my, a lot of my religious life, which isn't very long because I'm a young religious. So <laughs> for the entire for three the entire years, three years no. I've been religious. <laughs> so for I would say the last two years, I've worked as a nurse. So what's beautiful is to see um, how we bring those usually who are dying to the Lord at the end of their life. Yeah. How through our prayer and being with them, we help them to go basically basically through a Calvary because end of life really is it's a being with Christ on the cross and suffering with him and it's helping the families to understand that their loved ones are on the cross and that there's a transformation we call it kind of like the family members in a cocoon and they're not necessarily able to respond they don't always seem the same as they were before they're not able to speak the same like the family members see the suffering and they and they struggle seeing their loved ones suffer but in that suffering in that cocoon the loved one is becoming a butterfly and we mm. can't stop that from happening. You have to allow the person to go through the formation and to become the butterfly. So it's it's so beautiful working with end of life because you're able to really walk the person through the transform- interior transformation, preparing them for eternity. And over and over again, I've seen that while working with those who are who are coming to the end of their life and with the families allowing them to see the beauty that happens and the dignity of the person all the way to the end of their life and allowing them to encounter Christ through that suffering. Well, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I love yes. that. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. And, and uh, our listeners, you're, you're not able to see in studio um, since this is radio, but our sisters are wearing beautiful Carmelite habits. And I was just thinking as you were sharing that, sister, there's something profound about just the visual presence of the habit, um, because like when I'm when I'm in danger and uh, like and I'm on the street and I see a cop, I I know by his uniform that he can bring me safety and protection. If I'm in the hospital and I'm sick and I see a doctor, I know by his uniform or her uniform that she can or he can bring me safety and health, right? And when that we see by your uniform like who you are, we know that we can entrust spiritual safety and care. Um, and it's just so important, especially in a hospital setting, just your visual presence Absolutely. communicates to everyone that like, hey, the presence of God is here and I can help bring the presence of God to you. And uh, that's just such a gift. So thank you for choosing to stick out and look different and be different um, for the Lord. It's uh, it's a signal to a world that has turned uh, away from God, that God is still present. And it's Amen. a signal that when uh, people are in spiritual need, they know where they can turn. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Amen. Sisters, if any of our listeners have been moved and potentially motivated by your testimony today and want to learn more about your order, where can they find information about you? They can find information about us on www.carmelitesistersocd.com. OCD.com. Carmelitesistersocd.com. What does OCD stand for? Order of Carmelites Discalced. Got it. Nice. There you go. That's a whole other uh-huh. show. What is Discalced? Okay. St. Teresa of Avila, St. <laughs> John of the Cross. I love it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. So check them out. Sister Maria Gretti, you're the vocations director, right? Yes. So, yes, the, I am. so the religious sister that was talking about Jesus um, being the man that pursued her uh, recklessly uh, is now <laughs> the vocations director. So she yep. knows all about pursuit. So watch out, ladies. No, I'm just kidding. I'm oh, just come kidding. on now. <laughs> We want what God wants. Uh, yeah, exactly. I love it. I so love good. it. So good. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's close in prayer. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. I'll, I'll open us up and then uh, maybe we can we can just uh, throw in anything that the Lord places on our heart. Praise uh, the Lord. As we, as we pray for our listeners, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for speaking so directly to your people. Thank you for, uh, God, for placing that um, 
that hook in us, that anchor in us that, that will never truly be satisfied apart from you. Jesus, thank you for pursuing us and for making opportunity to be in relationship with you a possibility. God, uh, give us the heart to be ready to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, I just, uh, with these Carmelite sisters, I'm thinking about what you've done in the past on Mount Carmel and how through your prophet Elijah, you called fire down from heaven. And I pray, Lord, that you would make America and our world uh, Mount Carmel, that you would make us the prophets that call fire down from heaven and that you would do what you did in the past and you would do it again, Jesus, that you would send fire upon the church, fire upon those who have fallen away from the church, Mm -hmm. fire upon those who don't even know that you are Lord. Um, those who have maybe never even heard your name, Lord, I just pray that you would send your fire down from heaven and allow us to uh, to be set on uh, on fire and with passion and with love of you. I pray, Lord, that love would become manifest in our world more tangibly through your presence. Most sacred heart of Jesus, we commend ourselves entirely to the love of your most sacred heart. I pray in a very special way for all of those who are listening today. Lord, that you would inflame them with your love and give them a deep and abiding conviction of your love for them and of your abiding and infinite mercy. Let no one be afraid to come to you, Lord. Open all of our hearts and our minds to just throw ourselves into your arms with utter confidence, knowing that we're always going to meet with a gentle, loving, and merciful heart. I pray this prayer, Lord, most especially for those who are struggling to come back to you, who are paralyzed in fear, paralyzed in sin. Jesus, we ask you to send down your Holy Spirit upon them this day and open their minds and their hearts to come back to you. Thank you. And Lord, we also ask for the ability to hear your voice, to be able to silence our lives, to be able to make them open, to be able to hear you speak, to guide us so that we can know your holy will, to be sent out in mission so that the world may be aflamed with your love. Amen. Thank you, Lord. As, as, as you were sharing your testimony uh, earlier, uh, sisters, there, the, the, the moment for us to be enabled to give a deep reflection on a meaningful encounter rather than moving away quickly, I want to I draw us back to that. So listeners, uh, if you're looking for a target today in your time of personal prayer, I, I'd like you to, to maybe ask Jesus a question. Ask him this question. Ask him, um, Lord, would you take me back to a moment where I had an authentic, powerful encounter with you? And would you begin the conversation again with me about what it meant and how you wanted to change my life? Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, everyone, for listening to Beyond Damascus today. Uh, once again, Beyond Damascus is a, is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, and it's carried across the global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. We're so excited and blessed to have had you uh, here with us today. You can find our recordings at um, uh, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, or you can you can catch us here next week on uh, on the radio. So we're happy to be with you. Thank you for listening to Beyond Damascus.